to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward thinking, out of the box minds in health, consciousness, mindset, and spirituality. This show inspires our listeners to improve their body and mind, and our intention is to fuse and unlock the conscious warrior and shift the balance in the current paradigm. Hey, what's up everyone? In this episode of the Sen Podcast, we're joined by the incredible yoga expert, author and lifestyle enthusiast, Nicola Jean Hobbs. This was such a fun conversation and we really covered some great stuff in this podcast. However, each week we'll have very deep conversation with all different types of people, from the Iceman Wim Hof, inspirational and motivational speaker Prince Ayer, UFC fighter Carlos Condit, to Stephen Keyes, who spent 10 years being the bodyguard of the Dalai Lama, but in this episode, Nicola was diagnosed with anorexia, depression, anxiety, and obsessive compulsive disorder of 15. These labels kept her trapped in a cycle of hospital, refeeding regimes, and self-inflicted starvation for the next five years. Over the next five years, she was undergoing traditional eating disorder treatment. She lost and gained over 80 kilograms. Each time she was hospitalized and went through an aggressive weight regain regime, which left her feeling disempowered, worthless and hating food and her body, and even herself. But she then went on to found freedom from her eating disorder after abusing her body for so long. She immersed herself in the world of healing, nutrition and well-being and loving the journey. Now let's not beat around the bush in this episode. Nicola is incredible and she has overcome some overwhelming struggles and now went on to her Olympic weightlifting before settling into the beautiful art of yoga. These struggles have not only brought her to her true identity, but have been the catalyst for what else is possible in life. Nicola says she is not a classic yogi. She eats meat, she wears makeup, she probably doesn't meditate enough, and she says that she definitely hasn't reached any spiritual enlightenment. She says that she's just a girl journeying through life, trying to share the joys of health, strength and freedom. Now hear for yourself her amazing journey. But before we jump with this podcast, I would just like to say thank you for all the amazing comments and messages that we've received about the recent podcast, The Seasons of Life, that we've just recently recorded at the Lake District. We're so glad that you enjoyed it, and we'll be definitely doing more of them in the near future. So thank you again for all the amazing messages. And also, please don't forget to leave a review of the podcast, and just let us know what you think. So without further ado, Nicola Jane Hobbs. Really good, are you okay? Yes, good, thank you. Are you having a good day today? Yeah, good. Rainy this morning, but nice and sunny now. Yeah, so. I know. Oh, is it? It's, yeah. still, it's still actually quite horrible. Oh, really? How do I just like to say welcome to the podcast? Oh, thank you. Nicola, when I, um, when I first came across you, like I thought like your story of like how you found yourself and like how you discovered yourself and who you really want to be, it was like such an inspiring journey of like what you overcame and where you come from as well. I just thought it was such a powerful journey. Oh, thank you. I think it's difficult to kind of... um to hear people's stories like that because people are so reluctant to speak out about it but I I just hope by by me doing it it's going to encourage other people to to kind of do the same yeah mm. I think now um through from what you've been through Nicola is like it's absolutely one of the biggest challenges that we'll ever face to be honest could you tell a little bit about the story about the challenge that you've had to face uh, well, my I suppose my main battle was with anorexia. I was diagnosed when I was about uh, 15, so 
I was still at school and just about to take my GCSEs and I think it was just kind of a combined feeling of not of not feeling connected, not knowing what kind of, you know, path I was going to take for the rest of my life and, and also not feeling enough. Um, and then I, I think I kind of felt I then just completely lost myself to, you know, anorexia, depression, all these different, you know, things I was, you know, you're diagnosed with that maybe is kind of just a label that's put on you, but doesn't actually kind of get to what's going underneath. So all from the age of like about 15 to 19, um, I struggled with anorexia, struggled with depression um, and was in and out different kind of treatment centres, uh, which use a very um, quite it's a very, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, weight gain based approach. So focusing on just getting your physical body to, to where it needs to be to function um, without really taking that much look at what's going on underneath. So I think that's something that helped that kind of um, almost perpetuated my struggle and kind of elong- elongated it by, by pushing the focus onto weight rather than actually kind of helping to find connection or helping to find passion or helping to find purpose. Um, and then kind of, you know, as I got older and as I, as I became more, I guess, connected to myself and, and realized that this wasn't the life I wanted to live, I was able to, to get myself out of that through sport, through yoga, um, through teaching and sharing and, and finding things that I was passionate about. Mm, it's really good when you find the connection to yourself. Um, Nicola, I think now, like when you can look back on your life, it usually isn't one thing that like triggers a major issue such as anorexia. Like it's many things. It's, yeah. it's loads of it's loads of battles which are like constantly fought. And now looking back on your life, what do you think was some of the triggers to your battle with anorexia? Um I think like I said before, it was kind of just not feeling enough. Like I always felt um like I didn't fit in. Like on the outside, you know, I was you know, academic, I was sporty. But I just didn't feel um, that that was that was who I was. And I think it's that struggle. A lot of people, you know, um, go through this kind of, um, I guess, a kind of like quarter life crisis or an identity crisis at, at some point. Um, and maybe where you start challenging who you really are and whether that's the person you want to be and if what you're working for is actually... Um, in line with what you kind of want in your heart. Mm, definitely. Nicola, um, I've also had an understanding of the battles we face as well. Like, I've been on the losing side of my thoughts before. It's horrible to feel like less in control of the mind, like when they have so much control over our health and happiness. Yeah. I was wondering if one of the things that you did was to begin to understand that you were not your thoughts. Um, I think maybe subconsciously, yes. It was kind of a lot of people who go through um, eating disorders say it's kind of it's like a voice in your head to tell you, you know, that that you're yeah. you're too fat or whatever. And it, 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 I guess it kind of is. It's a it's a it's a thought pattern that that becomes habitual. And you kind of you need to you yeah, like you said, you kind of need to move away from it because I tried um, quite a common therapy is like cognitive behavioural therapy. I don't know whether you've heard of it or. Yeah. or been through it and for me I found that quite difficult to relate to because um the anorexia wasn't it wasn't just thoughts for me it was something that was kind of deeper than that and underneath it and I think it's 
it comes back to that, you know, ego versus heart battle almost. Um, mm-hmm. When you kind of, your ego, your mind's telling you one thing, whether it's, you know, you're not good enough or you're too fat. And actually, if you can go beyond that, you'll see that that's not who you are. Yeah, powerful yeah. I think that's when the true growth occurs, when you realise that you are not your thoughts and you you have complete control over who you really are. Yeah. That's, that's when you understand, like, the real challenge is never with, like, the anorexia. It's with everything. It's with all your identities rolled into one and they're all clamming for a different different part of you. And th- what when it comes together is when your true heart understands, like, no, I am nothing. I am not any of these. I am me. And I am the heart and soul of this embodiment. And I am going to really live it to my full potential. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. Because in life, you have so many things kind of shouting at you, saying, this is important, and this is important, and this is important, and dragging you in different directions. Um, which is So it means it's very easy to go down a path that actually, in your heart, isn't what you want to take, or isn't what you know what's right for you. So it's kind yeah. of if you do look into your heart and actually... Um, really begin to become more aware of who you are beyond mm-hmm. kind of your ego and your thoughts. That's when the, the kind of the right path kind of shows itself. Yeah, it certainly does. I think in life, like uh, Nicola, like we always realise the challenge we face when they start to affect our health. Yeah. And unfortunately, and unfortunately for some people, like that is a little too late. Yeah. Like, when did you realise that your life needed to change for the better? Um, it was probably after, um, I'd been going through anorexia for a couple of years and I'd be in and out of different treatment centres and I'd got myself well enough to go to university, uh, to study psychology. So I'm from a very science background, um, although now I'm actually kind of much more kind of the spiritual side, but, um, and I was there for a year and during that time I kind of, I just felt that this isn't the right thing for me um, to be studying this or um, it just doesn't feel right. And I didn't know how to communicate that. I thought by by leaving university, I'd be, you know, a failure. I'd be letting everyone down. And I think the way that I kind of communicated that was just um, by kind of starving myself, by not eating. And um, I got really unwell, um, kind of. Uh, I had organ failure. I think I probably weighed about 25 kilos and I thought I was going to die at that point. And I think that was almost the trigger to kind of think, um, hang on a minute, is this, is this, is this the life I want to live? Um, is this, is this the the kind of the person I want to be? Because if, if I don't start changing things, then nothing is ever going to change. Yeah. I was going to say, Nick, I think as well, sometimes I think we need these like struggles and challenges. It sounds horrible, but I, yeah, but I think I think that's what shapes us. And I think if you think about it, in a way, I always think about this. That's why, like, our avatars on this planet, because yeah. we need to face these, like, challenges and times of struggle. And then that's when we learn and grow, don't yeah, we? Yeah, because I think, in a way, everyone has a rock bottom, you know, and it, everyone's yeah. rock bottom is a bit different, but sometimes you have got to hit it to kind of be like, hang on a minute, what on earth is, what, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, mm. definitely. Something, like, we've talked a bit about in this podcast, and I think it's important right now as well, is is to ask yourself like the right questions yeah. and instead of going on with what's happening questions will usually guide us well will usually will always guide yeah. us into the best version of ourselves what questions did you ask yourself that helped you get out your struggle Nicola? 
I think the main one was just is is this the person I want to be? Is this the yeah. life I want to like? You know, I want to live, and then you kind of you can go a bit deeper and, and kind of think, how can I be stronger? How can I be kinder? How can I be more compassionate? And you know, anorexia, you know, is a very selfish illness, and you know, to be strong and to be kind and to be compassionate while you know you've got that obsession going on is very difficult. And and then I think. I started to kind of ask, you know, how how can I get through this situation in a way that I can be proud of? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah, really good. I like that, Nick, because I think as well, that, that's just, I think that's just the most powerful thing you can do is, like, ask yourself, like, who you really are. Yeah. I think that's what everyone, everyone really needs to be doing, I think, on this planet as well. And I think also we, oftentimes we just think that is who we are and we're stuck and it's not yeah. there's not that opportunity for change or, or for growth so if you see it as as a journey or as how you're getting through it then it kind of yeah. gives it it gives you the space to change rather than being kind of stuck with a label or stuck in a certain kind of you know place in your life yeah definitely and also how the other question i think is really important is how how can i connect with something greater yeah, definitely, that's powerful. Mm. I think that's good though that like, that you found like you found your freedom from like from that as well. And I think like from your eating disorder, like after like being in that place for so long as well. But I just I just love how like you immerse yourself in like the world of like healing, nutrition, well being, and loving your journey as well. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's great. I just I know as well. Um, obviously that you mentioned before that yoga played a huge part in your yeah. life as well. Yeah. Like what do you like the practice of yoga? I kind of just I just kind of stumbled across it by chance to begin with i mean i i yeah. um i'd at, at this point i'd i'd left university and i'd kind of got myself to you know you know i'd gained a couple of stone i'd got myself to a weight where i was you know healthy enough to go to a gym and i wanted to to get myself to a properly healthy weight where my body was functioning and you know i could have complete freedom to eat what i wanted to kind of go out and just live a normal life and yeah. um one of the classes at the gym I went to was a yoga class, so I just went on, and I think as soon as I kind of um, practiced it, I, I was kind of it, it was a completely different experience for me because I was so used to abusing my body, and this I suppose gave me an appreciation for my body and a, a respect and a kind of gratitude for it. Just I think by giving you the space to kind of just stop and slow down and be a little bit rather than always kind of thinking about the next goal and the next kind of thing to achieve, it actually makes you stop and be grateful for kind of, you know, who you are as a body and as a person. Yeah, definitely. I think it's such a, it, it is such a powerful, like, practice, uh, yoga as well. But I find all the time, I find people, like, they're still, like, so sceptical about yeah. it. Like, they're sceptical about, like, the spiritual side of it as well. I think it's because people are scared, because it's yeah. it's something that... You know, we don't really talk about that much, and I, th- I almost think it's hard for men because it's not very macho. Yeah, for women, yeah. I think you kind of, it's maybe a you know a bit of a softer kind of concept, but I don't know. I, and I guess there's no proof of it, so yeah, definitely. it's difficult um, if you're from a very scientific standpoint. Um, it's it's difficult to get your head around, but I just think it's so important that you know we have you know, we're allowed to have the spiritual side um, so that we're not we're not just restricted by things that we can measure in science. But then it's also, it is equally important to have science so that, you know, we don't get carried away with our imagination and, you know, 
science has some great mm-hmm. breakthroughs and I mean even the the research that's coming out into into yoga and meditation it's kind of it's providing a little bit of of evidence to the skeptics that hang on a minute you know there are these benefits even if mm-hmm. you know we've been practicing this for thousands of years and now if yeah. only now we're coming out and kind of researching it a little bit more yeah like that and I think as well like something like I thought about as well I think most of the time you can just like you can just talk about the health benefits of someone of yours yeah. and then like and then, like, when the person's, like, fully immersed in the practice, that's when they do start to become aware, like, of the spiritual connection, the deeper meanings behind yeah, it. Yeah, so it's almost, it's not something that, you know, you need to teach or you don't need to be preachy about it. Like, as a yoga teacher, I never preach that side to anyone because I think it's, it's you know, whatever you you want to get out of yoga, you know, that's what you get out of it. If people just want fitness, then they're going to get fit. But if you want to find a bit more connection, then that's what you're going to get. So it's kind of yeah. staying open-minded, I think, to it. I think that doesn't bring any like shame on anyone. Like, um, if they never found like the spiritual awareness through yoga, even it doesn't matter. Like, whatever you do, but as long as you're fi- finding some enjoyment of it, yeah. it doesn't need to be this deeper meaning. It just it can be just this connection of from your health. Yeah, and that could be just happiness itself for you. Yeah, that's that true. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think I think it's good though as well that like for me that all these like different rituals and the practices are now come to light. But, like, I think it's with, like, the scepticism as well. Like, there's a lot of people, like, they're still, like, fully, like you were saying before, they are still, like, fully reliant on what's, like, they're waiting for, like, validation from, like, the publications, aren't they, and from science and things. I think that's a very Western approach because we want, um, we want to know what it's going to do for us before we do it. Whereas in the East, it's almost like you do it first and then you experience whatever's happening from it. Yeah. I think as well though, like some of that I'm thinking of it, like even if you just like we had Wim Hof on our podcast and like if he just waited for science, like he wouldn't have yeah. never like achieved, he would never achieve like his amazing discovery of like what we're actually capable of. That's just so powerful yeah. as well. I think that's the thing, we're always we're actually always waiting for science to catch up with us. It's not the other way around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't think it ever will, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well the thing is with Wim Wim Hof as well, he actually if you think about it, he actually just felt himself through it. Yeah. And like it seems to me that like science isn't always the best for figuring things out. And it's it's like we seem to break through a lot of the breakthroughs of our own intuition. Yeah. Most of the time. I just kinda of gut instinct, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Nicola, I was um I was wondering like what what I was just wondering like what do you think about like following like your own intuition? Oh, I think it's incredibly important. Again, it's that thing between, you know, your ego and your your gut instinct and and kind of you've all, sometimes they say completely different things yeah, yeah like especially if you look at people in relationships and you know their head might be saying one thing and that you know that their, their intuition might be saying another so it's kind of making a choice whether you want to stay with someone or whether you whether you don't are you ruled by your head or your heart kind of thing yeah and i think that's really powerful really because uh, whatever you're moved by and that is going to be your driving force yeah. and that's going to that's going to drive you in all different sectors of your life whether you want to be focused on your fitness whether your career is like your most yeah. important whichever way you've been guided like well, I, I say you, you head down that path but I think all together all paths are interlinked so if you do focus on your career you're more like focus on the money orientation but then you'll end up using that money in the future to spend it on your health yeah so it kind of all balances it out in a way. And I think that makes us like, brings us on to a little bit as well about um, if you followed your own intuition into your own body and like when you finally move in your body and you're understanding your body, 
it definitely just changes the whole dynamics of everything because your intuition is then guided from within, from your own movement, from your own internal um, drive. You've just cha completely changed. And that is when, when you're in motion, yeah, uh, when your body's in motion, your mind's in motion. And that's where I feel like, I f that's where I found my success in life. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree because even kind of, if you think about the word kind of emotion, it's about things being in motion. You yeah, know, your feelings being in motion, it's, it's, it's difficult to do if you're not, if you're not moving, if you're not kind of exploring um, movement. Yeah. And Nicola, for me as well, that's what was a big part of my journey as well. Like that's when I started following my own like intuition, it was like that led me into moving and understanding oh, really? the body. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, as, I know as well before, obviously, obviously, I know that you're into your, you mentioned yoga, but I know you as well, you're into weightlifting as well, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I used, I used to compete. I'm not, I don't compete so yeah, much yeah, anymore. Sorry. Yeah, you still, yeah. I still do it for fun, but now and then. Did you find, sorry, Nicola, I was just going to say something there. Um, did you find like a spiritual practice within weightlifting as well? Did you feel like um, emotionally connected as well, as just as you did in yoga? Um, yeah, I think there was an element to it. I think that sense of, it gave me a sense of inner strength. Yeah, mm. it, it see for me as well because obviously this is a big part of me. Yeah, cause I, I, I still do a lot of weightlifting and stuff, and for me, like, like I've, I've said this a few times, but I think people people don't realize that like lifting like lifting a barbell is not just lifting a barbell. It's like it's a complete spiritual yeah. process from deep within your soul, really. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. Some people again, it's 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 the same as yoga, really. If you want, if you want to just go and lift weights to you know, get strong or yeah. look good, then then you can. But yeah, I guess if you if you want something more out of it, then it is there. Like it's yeah, something that... I know that it it like when when I used to compete and I used to go out on the platform, it was you know I felt such a huge connection and and such a kind of um, I guess sense of passion for what I was doing and and things. Yeah, I think as well you you just you, you do you completely like fully immerse yourself in it and it's like good how you did like follow follow that intuition. And I think as well when you were talking about before about weightlifting, it's like it is it's like it becomes a flow state as well. That's what I felt as well. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, because I am um, because that's something again which only if you've experienced it do you really start to believe in it. Because I did um, a master's in sport and exercise psychology, and we talked a lot about flow state, and I didn't. I didn't quite understand what it was until I started lifting competitively and yeah. and actually got in that zone myself. Yeah. I was going to say as well Nicola I think it's I think it's good that like that you are like multi uh, multi-dimensional way because I think some people can become like one-dimensional with the approach like yeah. physical exercise. Yeah. I see that a lot. What and just kind of very focused on a specific thing. Yeah, yeah, so people just focus on weightlifting, the yeah. thing that they can't do yoga as well, you know what I mean? Or they can't do something else. They'll just have the thing that they have to be pigeonholed to one certain area. Yeah, which I I mean, I think it's quite common, especially in kind of high-level athletes, and you kind of see, you know, someone being really, really strong, but, they, you know, they can't touch their toes, or, yeah. you know, they they have back pain all the time, or, you know, something which actually, it takes their body completely out of balance. And mm. so it isn't actually, um, it's not following their intuition, it's not listening to their body, it's, you know, following a training plan. I, th I think what it comes in down to, Nicola, is that it's a form of an attachment. Yeah. And that they're struggling to really 
like they've got a connection to it and even if it's like hindering them so like they're not really excelling in the exercise they don't really know what they're doing they've still got that attachment to it and even if they're going to defend that attachment just like it is a whole belief for them yeah and it's really hard for a lot of people to break that belief bond and that attachment because a lot of people are too frightened to really of the unknown so they'll not try anything different like yeah. if you're a weightlifter they'll not might they might not even go out doing yoga yeah they might not have any different movement practices i think it's also an identity thing because if you see yourself as a weightlifter and then you're no longer a weightlifter who are you yeah, yeah exactly i think as well though, like, i think that's what life's about in yeah. general as well like it's about trying like all these different things and it's like for me as well i thought about it's been this is a big being a big stage for me and it's it's not about like restricting yourself and like confine yourself to a certain area or thing really that's what i think it's just keeping open open-minded open-hearted yeah, yeah. well that but that doesn't mean to say like if you don't find a connection to something and you lo- enjoy doing it then by no means like who, who are we to stop you know yeah. what i mean like just live your life and enjoy it I think I think it's good though because the, like the times are coming now where like where pe- more people are like realizing the different methodologies and I think yeah. for me as well it is it is slowly dissipating like and I I, I have this saying I always say and I think like if you're thinking like everyone else then you aren't thinking at all. Yeah, if you yeah, what if you're just going with the crowd? Yeah, kind of, yeah. I, I think that's the thing and that's that's why we, you know, you've got to have the confidence almost to stand on your own a little bit and kind of. Um, I don't know, create your own practices, which is what, you know, I did with creating Yoga Gym. It's kind of, it's it's not traditional yoga. It's not um, specifically aimed at anyone. It's just almost kind of like a blueprint to give people the opportunity to explore their bodies and to discover, you know, different different ways of movement, different ways of training. Mm. Nicola, I was I was wondering there. Um, what's your approach to building a balanced body? Um, that is kind of the whole aim of what I do, and it's it's basically about uh, going against extremism because I think um, extremism, like you said before, it it does restrict you and it restricts your freedom. I think after being through my journey, that's you know my biggest fear is to have my freedom exactly. taken away from me. So. For me, balance, be, you know, being in a state of balance is kind of, um, I guess, having the freedom to do what I want without kind of, you know, the restriction of fear or the restriction of pain or, you know, my body, you know, being restricted in its movement. So I suppose if you look at balance, you can you can see it as, as being in a state of balance where all different elements of fitness or, or your life are kind of in equal proportion. So... I know a lot of people who spend a lot of time in the gym and then lack a social life because of it. So I wouldn't say that's kind of a balanced life. Equally, building a balanced body, if you just spend loads of time working on um, strength, then, you know, you're not going to, you know, be very quick or be very flexible. And so it's kind of taking your body away from its natural state. Or even in if you, if you talk about balance in, in the sense of, putting something I guess in a steady position so that it doesn't fall you'd kind of look at um putting your body or if you're if you're a coach putting your client's body in a in a kind of position of health and fitness so that improves your athletic performance it improves kind of your overall well-being and then it reduces the chance of injury and disease 
Yeah, definitely. I like that. I think as I like that because I think we have got to have that that big balance for our body and mind. And I think I think as well, the more we understand, like tune into the balance as well, we'll begin to see like that intelligence is uh, present everywhere in our bodies, and that's what I feel. And I think as well, something I don't think of as well, that like our own intelligence is like far superior than anyone trying to substitute from outside. Yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's the thing. But people, I guess, lack the lack the belief in themselves or don't know how to almost read their bodies or tune into it so we rely on coaches and even if we're exhausted if our, our if our training program says we need to train we'll train yeah i, I was even if you think about man they, they the people don't even realize how like the human body is just so fascinating like yeah even if, even if you think about it like it's proven that like every thought in our body is even supported by feeling and then from that muscle change in the body like it's it's amazing, man. So like, can you just imagine even reversing that process and just start off by yeah. moving? Like, does that I mean does that lead to like changing your feeling? Does it lead to changing your thought? I it's think it does because if you even if you look at kind of how you sit and how you stand, if you're sitting like or standing really hunched over, and like yeah. your heart's dropping, you feel like really defeated. But if you stand up and you kind of lift your heart and pull your shoulders back, it kind of changes your whole mood. Yeah, definitely. I think as well. Sometimes that comes down to because people are like. They're operating on like automatic pilot. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Well, like, like they're not sensitive to how like we're being influenced by like what you said before, how we even sit, like how, what we eat, like where we live, and the way we work, yeah. and like our actions, our thoughts, or whatever, our emotions, whatever. But I think when you're not aware of these connections, like people remain like remain baffled to why this like the sick or yeah. the tense or the chronic pain or even depressed as well. I suppose you just become desensitized from it, don't you? If yeah, you know everything else in life is more important than you know, your body and and your well-being. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Nicola, what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions with nutrition? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Um, well, I've obviously been on quite a journey myself with nutrition, going from kind of, you know, just having such a negative relationship with food where I just, you know, ended up living off, like, soup and yogurt to, you know, I've done everything from, like, carb backloading to paleo to ketogenic um and now I get it's like it's like having balance you know in your training in your body for me it's about you know building balance in your nutrition and I just think anyone um that's trying to have this perfect diet 100% of the time is going to end up worse off because the stress caused by trying to achieve this perfect diet is, is going to outweigh all the benefits of you know whatever that perfect diet mm. is and I don't know. I think again, you just there's so many extremes in the in nutrition. You know, at one end end of the spectrum, you've got um, you know, vegan and you know, raw food, and and I think there's a danger there. Um, and I think also with things like um, avoiding gluten and things like that, and and saying that you know, meat or gluten or you know, cooked food is toxic or dirty. We're actually at risk of um, creating disordered eating because yeah. it's it's so extreme. And if if we're if we're almost packaging this up as an idea of self care and of, of what well being is and what wellness is, you know, it's almost like um, we're advocating this kind of disordered eating approach and mm. and encouraging guilt. And I don't think food should ever be a source of guilt. No, certainly not. I mean, Nicola, like, there's so many of these diets and that, and a lot of people, a lot of times, a lot of people 
really overcomplicate things. Yeah. Like they want they want this whole incredible. They've thought of this first. They, it's the new best thing ever. But if you look at all the diets out there, all of them have really one good thing in common, and that is eating earth-grown nutrients. So as yeah. just stick to that. Yeah, whole food as much as you can. Avoid exactly. processed things. Don't yeah, definitely. Eat. Make sure you're eating enough. I think a lot of people worry so much and calorie count and ma- measure their macronutrients. Yeah. And actually, you know, your body's smarter than you are. Yeah. I think as well, even just, we just need, like, one of the big things for me in my life as well is just to go off feel as well. Yeah. Because even, like, when I was, before, when I, even before, like, uh, before, when I, earlier on when I mentioned about, like, feeling the body and stuff and our own intuition, like, if you think about it, though, like, when I was saying before that every um, thought was um, supported by a feeling, well, that, that's also the case for food as well. Yeah. Definitely, and I think as well, even when we, I think we've become more in tune with that, like, every, like, become more in tune with our body that every meal is supported by a feeling the more we can like become in tune and the more we can listen and understand what our bodies want and not just like not just eat a certain diet or food plan because someone else says yeah. it or it's good I think that's the thing you know it's I think we're in this state of kind of nutritional confusion and it, it then it makes it very difficult to tune into your own body and, and just yeah. I think something as simple as eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full is such a foreign concept to so many people because you know, I guess it's the same as with training. If if it's not on your food plan, you know, to eat at this time and you're hungry, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm probably just going to go on a rant here as well, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I completely, like, I always hear people saying this all the time. I like the, the, like the word diet, I just hate it. I absolutely hate it because I think as well it gives the assumption, like, that like, it builds a whole emphasis around diet and, like, people are not just, like, People are looking and assuming that there's like a quick solution, yeah. and it isn't. Like there's not. There's not. And your diet, yeah, because your diet is. Um, I mentioned this in another podcast I was on. Diet is, I think, Latin for day's journey. Oh, I like that. So that's a much, that's yeah. a much better so look it, at it. It's a nice. It's a nice idea, but I, I know what you mean. It's it's got very kind of restrictive concepts to it. But actually, if you do look at kind of your diet as your day, day's journey, it's quite a nice way to kind of reconnect with yourself. Mm. Yeah, I like that it's much better because I think pe- a lot of people like assume the diet is like jumping from one thing to another. Yeah. But Dear's journey, that's I've never thought of that. That's amazing. <laughs> and how the kind of I guess food kind of nourishes you and supports you to to serve or to share or to do whatever you know your purpose is in life. Yeah, I like that. I think because we really do it, it needs to be a lifestyle change, like not just a, like a quick thing. Yeah. And I think like people really do they do need to change the focus from health. Like, get the body, like, think about feeling energised, feeling good, feeling health. And I think when you get your body, you do get your body in that place, like eating earth-grown newtons or even eating newton-dense foods, it's amazing how much it does actually become, it doesn't become about weight loss anymore no. or the word diet. It actually, like, transitions into the whole, like, lifestyle change. Yeah. And actually, what I found as well, it, it completely becomes a part of you. Yeah, so it goes back to that identity thing as well. So if you identify yourself as a cake eater it actually might be quite challenging to stop eating cake until you start identifying yourself as someone who eats earth-grown nutrients or whole foods. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think as well, though, I think what I say as well, a lot of time, obviously, when I've said before, I think health isn't factored in. Like, people measure it off yeah. the skills or even the measure off weight loss as well. And Like, can I see me abs? But yeah. I think that's what they do all the time. And I think, like, 
like obviously a, a top competitor it's going to be oh can I see my abs but the average person it, it needs to like the focus needs to be held yeah but I think that's that's that is the issue is that you know people who want to get healthy they look at these fitness competitors and think yeah. that's healthy when actually those people are probably so imbalanced that they don't they don't feel energized they don't you know jump out of bed in the morning you know and you know feel full of life and it's kind of it's a playoff between or well, do you want to feel good or do you want to you know look uber ripped on stage kind of thing yeah i think that um health and fitness market is on instagram and mainly mainly on instagram from what i'm seeing is like it's being taken over by like shots of abs strength like looking girl this this whole the perfect image quotations but it's what it to me screams is that i'm seeking so much external value from you telling me i look good whereas in I'm not really looking good in myself. Like I'm, I'm always seeing a weakness in my own body. Yeah. Maybe my biceps aren't as big. Maybe my abs aren't showing as much. I'm always seeing a weakness, and and that's coming from their mind, and that's why they need all this external validation. But then the average Joe who's looking at this, they're going to see that and think, "Wow, that that is going to be me. That's going to be my identity." But they're not exactly seeing the external uh, validation either, because yeah. they're not they're not really receiving it as much as them on a high appraisal. So they're just looking. Well, do I look good? And and yeah, yeah, I look mint. I look mint. But but the truth is, like, when you go into bed at night, do you feel? Yeah. Can you feel your body switching off? Can you feel your mind relaxing? Can you can you feel your body waking up in a good, healthy mood? Or have you just been abusing your body as whatever you can just to get big, just to look good, and neglecting your health? Because a lot of people will be on that journey of neglecting health for looks. Yeah, and, I, and that's going to be a scary part. Of like the future, yeah. Because I, oh, sorry. I completely agree with you because it's it's kind of like this, um, you know, your body's your temple thing, and it's you know the only reason why we're really looking after our temple is so that we can you know look after what's inside of the temple, and when yeah. you're when you're so focused of of just the temple that you're gonna just bypass you know what's inside your soul, then mm-hmm. it, you know for me what's the point? But for other people, I think. Again, it it just comes back to that being feeling completely disconnected, and so you focus on you know what the eye can see. Yeah, definitely. I think as well when we do like when when we do like think about the the, the whole body and mind all together as one, like and, and focus on health. I think before we even know it becomes it becomes a part of us, and like it's not something that you have to force yourself to do anymore. What do you mean focusing on your body? So I'm saying so when when we do like start focusing on all that is like yeah. collective together like it becomes a part of us and it's, we don't have to ever we don't have to really like force yourself to do it because it's just a part of you yeah so if you can't yeah i know yeah i get what you mean if you if you're kind of if you're looking after yourself as kind of a whole being yeah, then yeah. you're you know naturally your body will look good as a, a byproduct of that because you can't kind of it's very difficult to have like a, a healthy mind and a healthy soul if without having a healthy body so it's all yeah. kind of interlaced. Yeah, I think as well though, like like and some it obviously plays a huge part of my life. I think as well is when, when like the root like the routine is no longer routine. Like in the sense of the word, like when I was saying before, it becomes a part of you. Like you'll always do it. Like yeah. I think that yeah, I think as well that like that frees your mind up to have time to do other stuff as well. Yeah. So whether when it's not when it's not a thought process, when it's actually it yeah, becomes yeah. you. Yeah. 
Yeah, it definitely it does. It it really does like it frees your mind up. Like to have your mind on other stuff. Like you can even like you can, you obviously you can focus your brain power on other things. Because I, I what I say a lot of time, I think a lot of time, like people waste so much energy and focus on like what like exercise should I do? Like yeah. what should I eat? Like should I even should I even exercise a day? You know what I mean? Yeah. So imagine if you if you if you didn't have any of those, you know, worries or any of those anxieties, and it was just like a natural kind of instinctive thing you know to eat you know what you craved and to to move when you felt like you wanted to move you would you'd have so much more energy so much more kind of headspace to actually i guess fulfill your purpose in a way yeah like um i was just gonna say like um like i, I i've actually been doing that a lot myself i mean like i keep on going through these like processes of where i'm what well, oh yeah like i'm gonna base my diet around this 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 and this and then i'm going to be basing my training regime around this 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 and this and this is going to be my week set out me foods me prepped and everything yeah. and then yeah. and then i'm like dan's just hit the nail on the head there when he says like how much time are you actually consuming yeah. thinking about that and i'm like yeah. and i've just actually had me one brainstorm there thinking oh, God, like, that, that's like how my life i'm basing like yeah. i've been like close like clouding my mind with all these fitness and health yeah. thoughts to get more healthier, it's but difficult instead of just, because instead of just like living out health. Because the whole because yeah. this is what we see, you know, people food prep because it saves time apparently. Well, actually, mm. how much time are you spending, you know, weighing out your chicken and your broccoli and putting yeah, yeah. it on in Tupperware, and then thinking about, you know, what what you've got to take with you for that day, rather than it being kind of an instinctive thing. Yeah. It, it is. It is a. Con, it's a constant battle, that. But like for me, obviously for me, obviously it took. It took a while for me to get that place because, obviously, for my journey, obviously I've been training and obviously I've been like sticking with my nutrition quite a lot now, and it, it's. It's obviously took me a while to get to that place where I can really like go deep within my mind and really like make them decisions where it comes a com, comes a complete part of it, and I don't have to worry about like thinking what am I going to be doing and things like that. But that's that's what's happened for me. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I'm exactly the same, and it's. I think sometimes, especially if you're feeling, if you're doubting yourself a little bit, you you will automatically kind of question, you know, is this the right thing to do? Or you'll go back to your old habits. Yeah. I was wondering as well, obviously, Nicola, I know before you mentioned, um, obviously, you're not, you're not competing. You said before, I think, early in the podcast, you, you're not competing, like, at um, Olympic weightlifting anymore. No. But I was, I was yeah, you did, you're not competing now, are you? Did no, you, did, I, get, I probably stopped competing um, about two years ago. Yeah, I was I was just wondering, like, because obviously we talk when we're talking about this now as well. I was wondering if your mind was thinking that like optimal performance like isn't like compatible with like optimal health. Yeah, I think that that's what I learned when I was lifting is that yeah yeah I was strong I could win you know championships but actually every morning you know I woke up and I felt like I've been hit by a truck. So yeah. for me, it got to the point where this it, it's just not worth it. Like, what's the point in in you know, having a really good snatch if you haven't yeah, yeah. got any energy to kind of, you know, if I haven't got the energy to play with my nephew or to to be a nice person. Yeah, I, I think it's it's good that you've come to that though because that was the same for me as well. Oh, really? It, it, yeah, it's such a fine line because like it was like this is a con. It's still a constant battle for me to be honest as well. Like even just in, not even competing, but just in general training, like when I lift weights and stuff. Because in a way, I used to like I always like try and like. Like go into my thoughts and like, in a way I, I I see myself shying away from them thoughts, but like now I try to like in a way I try to fully and like embrace my mind in them, 
to try and like think, oh, am I overtraining and things yeah. like that? Yeah, and I think it's it when you're in a gym environment, it's very easy for your ego to take over and to be like, oh no, you know, go for another lift, make it a bit heavier. But actually, yeah. you kind of you've got to think, you know, long term, is this going to do me any good? Because I, I mean, not one of the reasons I stopped lifting was because I had adrenal fatigue, and yeah. you know, I could have kept going probably, but it would have taken me even longer to then come out the other side of that when I stopped. Yeah, I think as well when that actually happened for me, like when I started to realise I was actually overtraining, like, now I, I really was as well, I was really overtraining, like, and I think within that process, when you come from that, I think for me that's, in that process is where you really, like, you do start to find yourself. Yeah. And, and for me it's when I, like, I started to tap in and listen, like, to the mechanisms within my own body, and I learn how to deal with that all the time now. It's a lot, it's like, obviously it's a daily challenge, but I still try and tap in. Yeah, it's that, it's that sense, sense of balance again, isn't it? It's finding... You know what's, you know, because stress isn't a bad thing. I, you need a bit of stress on your body, otherwise, you know, you're gonna atrophy. Yeah, but, but, you know, if if you put too much stress on your body, then you know it's gonna deteriorate. So it's yeah. how it, it. And again, it goes back to awareness. It goes back to being able to connect and tune in and listen, like you say. Yeah, definitely. I think as well. Though sometimes I think, I think that it, maybe maybe that process, like that mindset, what we're talking about, it's not going to come for like a, a new like a newcomer, like the trainer, because they're just going to be worried about like their their main focus should just be actually just really just getting there as much as they can, really like initially. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think like what the process that we're talking about, is like a bit later on down the line. I think for me, like that process only came after like like days, weeks, and years of like constantly training every single day, and that's when you that's when you do learn to tap into that. Yeah, and you kind of, I know for me it was kind of, I'd, I'd been training really hard for a competition and then I ran a yoga retreat and I took a week out and I kind of, at the end of that retreat I was like, I feel so good having not trained. Yeah, yeah. And when you're in, when you've been training for, you know, like you say for months or for years, you don't realise how it kind of, if you are overtraining, how the negative effects that that can have on your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, just going back to what Dan said there, like, um, and when he was highlighting, like, um, the overtraining, weren't you, man? Was yeah, it overtraining? Yeah, sure. I just thought, like, how, how much, like, do you, like, know it about yourself when you're actually pushing? When you're pushing in that sense, you're thinking, this is what I'm going for, this is my goal, goal, goal. But when you're actually pushing yourself beyond your limits, that is when you stop seeing the growth and start seeing the bit of the destruction. Yeah. I think it is it, it is it is such a fine line. Like, in yoga, we always talk about playing your edge. So if your edge is just outside of your comfort zone, that's where you want to be. But if you're way, way far out of your comfort zone, then that's when, you know, you're going to start getting niggles and you're going to start getting injured. So you've got to know where your edge is. Yeah, definitely. I think as well when you mentioned yoga as well, that was like that was a huge part of my like discovery as well because when you do do yoga, you're like obviously a lot of that is like it's not just about balance of the body; it's like balance within the internal body as well. And I think like a lot of time when I was doing yoga, that's when I was like feeling the little niggles and stuff, and I was thinking, well, this is not right. Yeah. I'm overtraining this area and seeing it in this area, it's not right. And one of, yeah, one of the most powerful things I've learned from yoga that you can kind of transfer to, to lifting or to any kind of you know athletic or or sport or whatever you do is the difference between discomfort and pain yeah, is yeah. knowing you know okay this this feels all right i know that it's challenging my body but it's not causing injury and then 
you know, if you go too far and that's pain, that's, you know, that's bad. You don't want to ever feel that. Yeah, I like that. So, Ningla, uh, I'd like to ask you a different series of questions now. Okay. If you could go back in time and give advice to your 20-year-old self, what would you say? Oh, that's tricky. Um, I would say, because, yeah, I mean, so this is probably, for me, this is about five years ago. Um, So I would have just, you know, I'd say come out of my journey through anorexia um, and just started lifting. Um, I would say to to kind of be more vulnerable. I think a lot of us put our guards up and miss out on a lot of life because we're not prepared to, to let people in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like, I like that. That's a good one, that. So, yeah, I think just... And also to forgive yourself, you know. You know, we've, we kind of, we're all human, we all break. We all make mistakes and it's... Don't let shame and guilt kind of run your life. Because for me, it's taken me a long time to to speak openly about what I've been through. And I think because there are so much misconceptions about mental illness and there are still loads of stereotypes. So I think before you can kind of allow, you know, not let that that shame get you. And almost to challenge those stereotypes, you've got you've got to forgive yourself. Yeah, I like that. I think as well, it is it is about it's embracing the mistakes and it's about learning from them. And see, almost seeing the lessons in them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nicola, I was wondering as well, like, is there anything that, like, I was wondering maybe is there anything that you believe even though that you can't prove it? Oh, um, I think I I believe in something bigger than me. I'm not, like, no. overly religious. I'm not, you know, I don't align myself with a certain kind of spiritualism or anything, but I think we're kind of we're being a bit naive if we believe that kind of we're just all individual human bodies walking around on this earth without any kind of energy or spirit that's that's more than just our mind and our bodies. Yeah, I like that because when you said they believe in something bigger than yourself, I like I fully believe that. Like and if I even if I could like if I could even think of what the what the purpose of life is, like I think that's the purpose of life, like to believe in something bigger than yeah. yourself. That the, like the aim of our life isn't just to kind of get a ju- good job, buy a house, yeah. get married, have kids. There's got to be yeah, something yeah. kind of bigger and a bigger purpose that we're all kind of collectively, you know, yeah. working towards. Yeah, like that. I, I, I like that, and I think I, I do feel that in life. That's like sometimes you like you said before, we've got to have like that good feeling. You've got to believe. Like you've got to, we've got to believe in something that's bigger than ourselves. We've got to believe in something that can't be scientific, even validated. Yeah. Yeah, I think because if we do that, we'll be waiting for a long time. Yeah, if we keep searching, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Nicola, what leading on to uh, what do you think is the next stage of human evolution? The next stage of human evolution? Um, I think, actually, I think you mentioned it earlier, it's just to simplify, to to go back to trusting our gut, common sense, without the need yeah. to kind of complicate everything and... I suppose yeah, it's just reducing that ego and that materialism. I think that it, that slowly we're starting to see the shift of almost, you see it with people who kind of, you know, run massive companies, make loads of money, and they still 
they want more and and so they make more money and they're still not happy so they make more and then actually you know something might click that she says okay this isn't about um what I'm achieving or what you know materialistically I'm is viewed as success by society but actually it's more about how can we connect more and how you know how can I actually simplify my life and just take it back to you know the the core things that we need yeah I like how you said that because I think when we, when everyone does come to that understanding I think that's when life does become better and it, and it opens up and becomes beautiful and you can actually like think of yourself like asking that question I, I like that I like that answer really good but um Nicola I was wondering like um just if you could give like like leave one final note like someone listening to this podcast now like what would you say to them just like to push them on and inspire them on the journey I would say, well, I think most people in some way are going through some kind of battle or some kind of struggle, even if it's even if it's something that you don't talk about or even you don't really acknowledge within yourself. There's always some kind of, you know, difficulty or challenge that, you, you know, you feel that you're going through at that time. So, um, you know, in order to find peace, I think, you, like I said before, you've got to forgive yourself again and again and as many times as it takes to find peace and you know, just be gentle with yourself because peace takes time. Mm, we are fragile. We are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, on that fragile note, um, uh, where, what are you currently working on, Nicola? Where can people find you? I am. Um, well, I've ju- I brought out my um, my first book, Yoga Gym, um, at the end of last year, so you can you can find that on my website yogajimrevolution.com or you can find my social media is Nico Jane Hobbs and then I am working on another book that will be out next year which is all about healing and the way we can use yoga to kind of love our bodies and feel more alive oh um, cool I'll just like I'll just like to say thank you so much and um I was I really enjoyed like talking to you today it's been a great great podcast oh, thank you thank you for having me thanks guys for taking time out your day to boost your consciousness But guys, we really need your help. If you're loving the podcast, please pop over and leave us a review and tell us what you think. And also, don't forget to head over to our website at ascendbodymind.com and check out our amazing gallery of other great episodes. Thank you and have a great day and join us next week in the next episode. Peace.